Well, I will admit to something that you might think, gosh, that's kind of weird, Joe. Why do you do that? Why do you think about death and dying? Well, I'll tell you why. The main reason why is because it actually enables me to live more completely, with more clarity, live more fully, with more meaning and purpose. See, unless you actually recognize that this tremendous gift that you have been given, life, is finite, at least in terms of your experience here on planet Earth, (laughs) you might not be inspired to do what you're really meant to do while given this gift of life. And one of the ways that, for me, actually helps to bring clarity about what is important is to think about death and dying because it prompts me then to say, okay, what am I doing now today to really live, to maximize this gift, to take the treasure that I've been given? What am I supposed to do? And for me, this frequently comes with prayer. I think about it in terms of this resurrection life that you've been given, and yes, we have so much to look forward to, but Paul the Apostle speaks about this in Romans chapter 8, I believe. And he said this resurrection life that you've been given begins right now. You and I are meant to be living this resurrection life, not a life of regrets and, oh, I wish I had done this, I should have done this. So I sometimes spend some time and look, I say, well, what do people regret? And I'll read articles, journals, the biggest regrets in life. And I haven't found one particular theme that runs throughout everybody's life. And I can't tell you what you will regret. But I know that at some point, you're going to say, it's no longer a cliche. Wow, life goes really quickly. (laughs) And you're going to say, man, Joe, life really does go quickly. You know, you're in your teens and you can't wait to get out of them. You can't wait to start your career, go to college, you move out. And you go, wow, I can't wait till buy my first car, my first house. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to have kids. And then all of a sudden you start saying, whoa, slow down. Because life is going fast. And I think one of the last things that you want to do while you're facing your demise, which you will face, I don't want you to say, Oh, I should have done this. Maybe you thought at the time it was important to remodel the house, to get a better paying job. I don't know. Maybe those things are important. And maybe when you get to the end of your life, you're going to say, I'm really glad I did this. But what is that when you're on your deathbed? So I want to talk about some of the regrets that I believe many people face, and I want you to think about your own life because I don't want you to live with regret. You work. You have a family. But what is the priority? People talk about that work-life balance as though, well, if I work eight hours, I should play for eight hours. I should spend eight hours with my family and then eight hours sleeping. Well, let's see, the math doesn't add up. You don't have that many time, that much time in a day. But maybe you think, well, my family, I'm really sacrificing for my family. And you might. I'm not saying that you're not. Maybe your life requires that you work really hard, one job, two jobs, because you just can't make ends meet unless you do it. But if it is just so that you can have a better car, a more expensive house, whatever it is, or keep up with the Joneses or nicer clothes, And maybe your thought process is, well, you know what? I'll make it up with the kids this weekend. But making up never seems to happen. Remember that great 
classic song, The Cat's in the Cradle. You know, oh, someday you're going to grow up just like me. Yeah, he did. And Dad, you weren't there with me, and now I'm not there with you. I don't know that there's going to be a weekend makeup. Maybe right now, as you consider your work-life balance, which is a kind of a funny expression to me, you prioritize family. A lot of times you say, ah, but I need more money. I don't know how I'm going to retire. I get that. I can identify. <laughs> but what does God say? Matthew chapter 6, right? Jesus said, well, if God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? Relax, God says. And stop being so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Yeah, people who don't know God fuss over these things, but you know God and how he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, and stop worrying about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. And you might be sacrificing family, friendships, your marriage, your relationships with your children because of the worry. How will I do it? Well, if I work six extra hours of overtime this week, then I'll be... But God says, I think, you know what? You're worrying about the wrong things. Worry about your relationship with me. Sometimes I remember, I reflect sometimes on childhood. I have a friend who has a great memory. He'll say, remember in third grade, we had the teacher, Miss Joey was her name, and Donna sat right next to us. And I said, no, I don't remember. Sometimes I'd like to pretend. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but I really don't. But that's a confession I make only to you. But I do remember a few times in school where some people were bullied in life, in school, on the playground. And I know, I can't say it didn't disturb me because I remember one time being brought into the principal's office where I was just a witness to it. And I started crying. <laughs> I, I felt so terrible because there was this bully and there was the bullied and that, and the two, and I was like torn to like, what happened, Joe? What, what? And I was like, I broke down. I recognized the injustice. And there was a part of me at that time that I thought, you know what? I'm going to stand up against the bullies. I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to let go of the fear of what other people will think. I'm going to try to not be a part of the cool crowd and say, you know what, I'm going to be with you. Now, I didn't do it always perfectly. Nobody's going to make a movie about my life. Look how Joe stood up against the, the bullies in life. But maybe you've still got bullies in your life right now. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your neighbor. And maybe it's that person who is just all alone. For some reason, they have been ostracized or alienated or isolated. And even with your faith, God says, you better make a stand. You better learn how to stand up for me, to stand up for your faith. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, you stand up for me against world opinion and I will stand up for you before my father in heaven. You turn tail and run, I ain't going to cover for you. And I think about this opportunity to speak about, to live out our faith, 
to stand proudly and say, yes, I believe in God. I am a Christian. I will do what is right and good. Because sometimes it's the world's call to draw you into everything that pulls you away from God. And just like you see those wonderful stories or movies where the you write that person is being beat up or bullied and the, and the brave person comes in and stands up against all odds. That's how you have to look at your faith and doing what is right and standing up against the world. Now, friendships, and this is a regret for many people. They say, oh, I lost touch with this person and these friendships. You know, I think it's a mixed bag. Because sometimes friendships do run their course and you say, yeah, we were great friends in seventh grade or through high school, but you know what? I went on. My priorities became about education or service. And they just wanted to make money. Again, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying that sometimes these relationships take their own course. But think about what really matters in life. Sometimes it's important to actually pick up the phone You know, what would it be like to sit down with that person again? Again, I feel so honored. One of my best friends in the whole world is my friend from third grade. (laughs) I don't get to see him all the time. He lives across an ocean, not in Europe. He lives in Hawaii. But staying in touch keeps you grounded. It's fun to have those memories to talk about the old days. I don't like to live there, but I like to visit there. But so often we get lost and, oh, what's, what happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future? And although I think it's important to actually recognize that you have a finite existence here on earth, when is it all going to happen? That song, I, I can't remember the name of it or who sings it, <laughs> but live like you're dying. I'm going to ride a bull named Fu Manchu. I'm going to skydive. I don't know. Maybe. I've never actually desired to ride a bull named Fu Manchu. I have been skydiving. But maybe what is actually important is to say, you know what, rather than pursuing some sort of great adventure, I'm going to relish this time right now with you. God, spouse, friend. Paul says in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And they were asking him about, when's it all going to end? When's the end of the world? When are you going to come back, Lord, and bring an end to this disastrous mess? (laughs) This life. And he goes, "Eh." Paul says, you don't know when this is going to happen. He said, however, there's going to be a time where you're walking around complacently, You know, hanging out with your buddies, man, we got it made. We can take it easy. And he said, suddenly everything's going to fall apart. He said, it's going to come as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. Whoa, it's time, it's happening. And that's why I think it's so important to have some kind of ritual in your life when you say, am I doing what matters? What really counts? I know these days that we've all gotten caught up to various degrees 
with technology, our phones. It used to be, eh, I'm turning off the phone. I'm not going to check the answering machine <laughs> till tomorrow or the next day. And that's when we had answering machines. But now we have this expectation of others, of ourselves, to be connected all the time. But what would happen if you actually, rather than staying connected, you disconnected from all the technology and you got connected with your life, with those relationships, with love, with what matters? Just let go. Turn the power off. Spend quality time with family or friends and with God. Now, I don't think this is actually just a new phenomenon. Yes, of course, technology has changed, but we have got a choice. Every day you are given an opportunity to pay attention to what matters or what doesn't. And you would think it would be so easy to say, yes, I'm going to choose what is meaningful and powerful and good, and I'm going to ignore what is not so good. That's so easy. I want to point out what I think is one of the best examples in Scripture of this particular thing. The story of Mary and Martha. You probably know it. Luke chapter 10. Jesus is traveling around village to village. A woman named Martha, and he was friends with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. But Martha welcomes him and makes him, welcomes him into their home, and he makes him feel, she makes him feel great. Then Martha has a sister, Mary, who just, well, sat there with Jesus, hanging on his every word. And Martha was pulled away by everything she had to do. Well, I've got to do this. I've got to prepare the, I've got to make the ham. Well, no, they didn't eat ham. <laughs> Bad example. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to make the stew. I've got to boil the fish. I've got whatever it is. Do the dishes. I've got to prepare. And her intention was good. I'm, I'm trying to be a good host for Jesus, you know, God. But she gets irritated because she sees her sister Mary just sitting around loafing or that's what she thought. But the truth is, Mary was right there spending time with Jesus. Imagine God steps into your home and says, I want to spend time with you. Okay, let me go prepare a meal. Because that's sometimes what we do. And Martha, in her irritation, she said, Lord, would you please tell my sister to get off her tushy and come help me in the kitchen? And he said, uh-uh, no. You got your priorities all wrong. If you walk away from this, that might be a serious regret, but Mary is choosing not to live in regret, but to live in the present, to live with me. See, I think relationships are really the most important thing in our life, and yet we think, oh, I've got to do this for this relationship. You got to be there for that relationship. Romance is a big area of regret for a lot of people. Maybe you dumped somebody at some point that you said, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Maybe you got dumped. Oh, I wish they had not done that. But what happens is you fall into this, what might have been if I had stayed with that person? Well, when was that relationship? 25 years ago, Joe. <laughs> uh, maybe it's time to let that one go. Maybe it's time to love that person that you're with right now. Maybe it's time to pay attention to those special moments today. If you're constantly thinking back and 
Well, what would have happened if I had forget it is done? And this is also a scriptural principle. So often we get caught up and it's like, oh, I wish I had made that decision. I wish I had gone to that college. I wish I had gone, right? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, don't be wishing you're someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right where you are. Because God defines your status, your life. And yet, we so often think, oh, I wish I had, I wish I could. No, you haven't, you haven't been given the past to look at again. <laughs> well, you can look at it, but you ain't changing it. But you are given this day to make a choice as to how to live. A lot of times, speaking of worry, we get so caught up thinking about what other people think about us. Oh, man, what does my neighbor think about me? I got news. They're probably not thinking about you. (laughs) How will I be judged? So often we get so caught up and concerned with what we think are other people's opinions of us. And so often we're just wrong. A, they don't think that. Or B, who really cares what everybody thinks? Because when you're on your deathbed, that doesn't matter. What does matter is how you lived, how you loved God and others. See, there's this idea of wisdom, and then there's godly wisdom. And Paul in 1 Corinthians speaks about it. And he said, God's wisdom is something that is so mysterious, it goes so deep far deep into the interior of his purposes. He said it's not the latest message. It's it's like the oldest, what God determined as the way to bring out his best in you. Long before you were ever born, God was thinking about you. And yet you think about everybody else's opinion except for what does God want for me? He said the experts of this day, they don't have a clue about what God's plan is. He said, if they had, they wouldn't have killed Jesus. But nobody, you, me, we can't even imagine what God has arranged for you, for those who love him. And yet we don't think about God's love. We don't think about God's plan and call and purpose. We're concerned about what our boss thinks or the promotion or what your dog thinks. My dog loves me. I always know what she's thinking. What your cat thinks. Now that's a mystery. (laughs) But God wants you to be in on the inside of that. Sometimes because life is tough, you lose that sense of confidence in yourself. I understand that. Right? Even if you have a faith, it's like, oh, God, do you want me to do this or do that? It's, it's not always easy. But what does God say? I want you to trust in, trust in yourself. No, nope, that's not what he says. Just believe in yourself. No, nope, that's not what he says. He said, I want you to cast all your cares, all your worry, on your anxiety on me. I want you to trust in me. See, your confidence in you 
will falter based on a lot of factors, some of which are outside of your control. But your trust, your faith in God has rewards beyond imagining. So when I think about belief, you can try to prop yourself up or you can feel propped up because the truth is God loves you so completely. He gave everything for you so that you could have life, abundant life. Jesus one time ran into a blind man. Wasn't the only time in scripture. And Jesus said, what could I do for you? Which is kind of an interesting question. <laughs> the man was blind. But Jesus asked the question, and the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now, the blind man didn't say, if I just believe in myself, I can make this happen. Jesus said, on your way, your faith has saved and healed you. But it's not the faith in self. It's not the belief I can do it. It's going to the author, the creator of all things. That's where your faith needs to be. And in that very moment, the man recovered his sight and he followed Jesus. Sometimes when you think about regrets, you might think, well, what about my family? What should I do here with them? Or I, I don't know. Do I stay with them? Do I move away? You know, I remember my dad. I remember some serious conversations in high school. My dad was a brilliant engineer. And he said, Joe, I think you should be an engineer. And I was like, huh, what? <laughs> Have you looked at my math and science grades? Not my strong suit, dad. He goes, well, if you do that, I'll, I'll even help you pay for college. But that wasn't my call. That, those weren't my gifts. And sometimes you have to choose who you listen to when you respond to the call. Well, I'm going to do what my mom or dad says. I'm not talking about being disrespectful. Honor your parents. That's a commandment. But that doesn't mean you live for everybody else's approval. You live for God's approval. Now, I am very fortunate, very blessed. I love my family. My family loves me. We come from a big group of rowdy kids. We're all older now. <laughs> but you've been called into a bigger family, the family of God. And Jesus might actually ask you to separate from what you think they want you to do. In fact, he speaks about it in Matthew chapter 10. He said, I, I didn't come here to make life easy for you. Or cozy. I've come to cut, to make a knife cut between son and father and daughter and mother and bride and mother-in-law and cut through these cozy domestic arrangements. Now, God isn't saying, I want you to live a life of chaos. He's not saying, I want you to hate these people. What he said is, I want you to choose me first. Because well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. But what God says, if you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. What do you regret in life? I want to continue this conversation. It's too big, too long to have it in one time. But maybe you've got to think about those rituals in your life and think about the regrets that you have right now and take that as an opportunity to say, okay, 
I've done this all imperfectly. Join the club. I can identify. But what do you want now, God? So then when I meet my end, as I step into eternity, I won't be thinking, oh, I wish I had right now. Choose to love and listen to God. We'll pick this back up. Until then, I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.